Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. If you please stand with us and worship together. For the day, for the light, for the world revolving around the sun. God on high stepped out into time and wrote the story of his love for everyone. He has filled our hearts with wonder so that we are
Amen. Amen. Yes. Give the Lord praise. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside. We're glad that you're here. While you're standing, if you will, take a moment and welcome those around you. All right, you may return to your seats. Bye, Malachi. Back there. Over there. All right, you may return to your seats. You may be seated. Good morning. I love the energy in here to worship King Jesus, to come into his presence and to magnify and glorify his name. I want to welcome you to Northside Baptist Church. We're thankful that you're here. If this is your first time, I want to extend a special welcome uh, to you. We are thankful uh, that you came, that the Lord brought you uh, here this morning. And we want you to feel welcome. We want you to, to feel loved on. We want you to know you've been prayed for, if not by name, that we've just been praying for you, that the Lord would, would bring you and draw you here and so that you might come and see and, and come and learn uh, more about the Jesus that we love. If this is your first time, there's a couple ways you can let us know that. There's a QR code in the bulletin that you can scan, fill out some information online, or um, you can fill out a connection card out in the foyer uh, when you are uh, finished. So every month we try to emphasize one of our mission partners. We want you to know about our mission partners. We want you praying for our mission partners. Next month will be the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, and so we'll emphasize that all month long for North American missions. So for the month of February, what we want to do is we want you to be aware of what we're calling a live-sent community outreach. I say that phrase a lot, live-sent. And so this is something you're going to have an opportunity to do in March as Northside Baptist Church as we seek to go out into the community and love on people and do some evangelism and share the good news of Jesus Christ. So Mark Runyon is going to come at this time and share a little bit about that opportunity.
good morning. We're excited about this opportunity coming up in about a month or so. Um, so it's going to be on March the 9th, and we'll have more info in the bulletin next week. And there will be a sign-up sheet uh, for just to kind of let us know who's coming. But just to kind of give you um, an overview, I was just going to kind of talk this morning about what we, we plan to do. It's going to have uh, things for all ages to participate in. Um, Pastor Gary and I were in Augusta yesterday at, a, at an event similar to kind of what we want to do. We just kind of wanted to see how they do it, and we want to make sure um, uh, we, can, we can be organized and uh, just really go out into our community and share the love of Jesus. And I was reminded of a verse yesterday. It's, in, it's a passage in uh, Matthew, and normally when I think of this passage, I think about prayer and us praying for the Lord to send out um, laborers into the harvest, but... Um, these, this verse is just before that. Jesus has gone around. Uh, he's been healing people. He's seen what's going on in the different communities. And Matthew 9.36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I believe that when we go out in our community, outside the walls of our church here, we're probably going to encounter a lot of people who are uh, wondering what's going on with life. And they're like sheep without a shepherd. So we want to have an answer for them. We just want to engage them, love them, share the, share the gospel with them, and uh, tell them more about our church. And so, like I said, there'll be opportunities for various levels um, of contact with people. Um, and all ages will be able to participate. We plan to offer child care for those who have kids too young to come out. So we're going to need a couple of folks to volunteer to do child care. Um, and then we'll have a team, this is just a couple of the examples, we'll have a team go into a local laundromat uh, for engagement and evangelism, just kind of opportunities there. We plan to have groups to go into neighborhoods and prayer walks while putting like a small bag of info about Northside on door, like a door hanger type thing, just stuff about Northside and about the gospel. Uh, we'd like to send out teams, small teams, to do evangelism in various different ways. So we're going to have some training beforehand to kind of talk about, you know, various ways you can go out and do evangelism. So the day before, this event is March the 9th, Saturday, March the 9th, the night before Friday, March the 8th. We're going to come together and have some training and also probably help each other put together these packets that we're going to be giving out. And that's where all ages can be involved in that. So um, pretty cool way for the whole church to reach out to our community in various ways and so the event will be march 9th from 8 30 to 1. so we'll have the teams go out we'll come back for lunch around noon and kind of talk about what happened what did we encounter and what are the next steps we can do to continue to reach our community uh, the night of preparation will be march the 8th at 6 30. like i said there'll be more information in the bulletin there'll be some places to sign up out there but please be in prayer for this event as we prepare to go out and, and uh, engage our community with the gospel. Thanks. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we gather this morning, as we're going to see in our text, Lord, our hope is in you. We've hoped in you. Lord, we should, as Peter will say, not be frightened with anything because our hope is in you. We thank you for that. We have reason to gather, reason to celebrate, to rejoice. But God, the reality is we live and we are surrounded by people who do not have that hope. 
who right now, Lord, are looking for anything and to anything and anyone to give them some sort of joy and satisfaction and peace. And Lord, everything will leave them empty outside of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, God, you call us to gather, to love one another, to meet the needs of one another in the body, to encourage one another. But then, Father, you send us out. And so, Lord, we pray even right now for this event that we're going to do in March. We pray that, Lord, you would place a desire within our hearts to be involved in that. We pray that you would help us to prepare, to be ready, to get the training that we need. But, Lord, give us courage and boldness to go out and to speak the good news to lost people. And then, Father, for the people that we will encounter, the people that we will meet, oh, Lord, we pray that you're already softening their hearts, working in their hearts, drawing them to you. And, Lord, you'll use our inability and insufficiency and maybe lack of knowledge. And, Father, we will see your power as you save because it's not up to us. It's up to you. You are the God who saves. And, Lord, we pray that we will see the fruit of that. Um, Lord, as we go forth, Lord, as we continue to worship, as we continue to offer up our praise, Lord, we pray that it would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand? Let's continue to worship together.
please. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this place of worship, for the beautiful place it is and the beautiful people who worship here. We give you praise for giving us grace and forgiveness and for the opportunity to give back a little bit of what you have given us each and every day. We ask that you bless the, the offerings and the tithes and bless those who give them. Be with us throughout the day, Lord, for it's in Christ's name I pray.
is coming back again. Amen. All right, at this time, our kids are going to make their way out to Children's Church, pre-K, three, four, and kindergarten, and then we have our first and second grade. Everybody else, if you'll take your copy of God's Word, and I hope you do have a copy of God's Word, and you will turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, we finally make our way to the third chapter. And one of the reasons I love preaching verse by verse through books of the Bible is if there was a temptation for me to skip certain topics or issues, it's, it's less likely for me to do that. Because you'll say, hey, pastor, you just skipped these five verses. Why did you do that? So it forces me to preach God's word, all of it. And so we're going to get in to chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 this morning. So would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. You may be seated. My previous church, Eagles Nest Baptist Church in Fruitland Park, Florida, there was a, an older gentleman named Daryl Looney. Daryl was a wonderful man, a godly man. Uh, his wife, Wanda, they loved our family so well. Daryl, there was a couple things Daryl liked to say over and over. And if he had the opportunity, you knew there was one thing he was going to bring up in a conversation. It was something he learned early on that he thought was very helpful, and he wanted to impart that knowledge. And that was this, that you must distinguish the difference between needs and wants. That you have to be able to know this is a need and this is a want. And if you can't figure that out financially, you're going to be in some difficult spots. And so needs versus wants. I always remember him talking about that. Well, I think there's another important distinction or difference that we need to be aware of. And it's something that Peter speaks of here, and that is the difference between inner beauty and outer beauty. We live in a culture obsessed with outer beauty, obsessed with our looks. According to one website, I found Japan spends $36.9 billion every year on beauty products. That's third highest. China is second, spending $58.3 billion. And first... Anybody want to guess? Us. $89.7 billion per year. We are a culture, a society obsessed with looking good and doing whatever we can to make ourselves look better. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to take care of your body. But Peter does make a critical distinction in our text between inner beauty and outer beauty, and then he lets us know which one is very precious in his sight. So as we look at our text this morning, I want to ask three questions. There are no notes, 
this morning, three questions. No notes on the screen. I have notes, but no notes on the screen. Three questions. What, why, and how? What, why, and how? And here's what I want us to see. The beauty, the beauty of a Christ-following heart. The beauty of a Christ-following heart. Proverbs 31, verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So, first question, what? What is Peter saying? He says a lot here. What is he saying? Well, let's begin word with word, word by word. Likewise. When you see likewise, he's drawing a connection to what he's already said. And if you remember, what he's been talking about in this section is submission. First, he says citizens are to submit to the governor and emperor. Then he says slaves are to submit to their masters. And now, likewise, he's going to speak of wives subjecting themselves to their husbands. Now, I want you to notice something. Peter addressed slaves. He did not address the masters. He will spend six verses speaking to wives and one verse speaking to husbands. And you say, why? That's not fair. It's because slaves and wives in Peter's day had less power. He knew slaves and wives would be the ones who were most prone to suffering abuse. There was a principle in their day called patria protestis. It basically said this, while single in living in her father's house, a woman was under her father's absolute power. He could literally kill her and there was no legal recourse. When this wife, this, this daughter, goes from the, the father's home to the husband's home, now the husband has absolute authority over the wife. He can control her however he wanted and could kill her with no legal recourse. They were seen, slaves and women, as objects, things, property. And so Peter is speaking to them. Because people in the culture wouldn't speak to them, but Peter does. He's elevating them, but he has a word for them. And so what does he say? Likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands. Now, we've talked about this word subject. Again, he's, this is in a context. Subject means to come under, to fall in line, to come in rank. So let me just make several comments quickly about submission. Number one, you need to understand this is voluntary submission. This is not a husband coercing right the wife. This is voluntary submission, not forced, not coerced. Number two, this does not mean a wife is prohibited from ever giving her opinion. This does not mean a wife is to become a doormat. This does not mean if a wife is in an abusive relationship, she has to stay there and get beat up on. No, absolutely not. If you are in an abusive relationship, physically abusive, you need to call 911. You need to seek the proper authorities, you need to be safe and get out from underneath that. He's not saying you got to be a doormat. Notice what else it says, because this is important. Wives, be subject to your own husband. He is not saying, ladies, you are subject to all men, to submit to all men. That's not what he's saying. Wives, to your own husband. And number four is this. Submission doesn't mean inferiority. He's not saying, citizens, you are inferior to your political leaders. Some of us might object to that. 
I'm not, I feel superior to some of you people in D.C. right now. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying slaves are inferior to their masters. He's not saying women are inferior to men. But what Scripture does teach is this. God is a God of order. And God in his creation has given order and structure and authority. And in the home, the husband, Ephesians 5, there's some other scriptures, is to be the head and he's to love his wife as Christ loved the church. So you love as Christ loved the church, right? That's how the husband loves, as Christ loved the church. And then the wife voluntarily comes under the leadership of her husband. She submits to that leadership. Again, voluntarily. Now, you may say that's a quick overview of submission. You may say, okay, I don't like the idea of subjecting. I don't like the idea of submitting, but I get it. You have a godly husband, loves his wife, as Christ loves the church. I could see why the wife would willingly come under his leadership, love him, support him, encourage him. I get that. But what does Peter say here? Notice, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband's so that even if some do not obey the word. Now, what's he talking about? Some do not obey the word. Does that mean they're just disobeying parts of God's word? No, that's not what he means. Peter here is speaking of a wife married to an unbelieving husband. A husband who does not believe in Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8. They stumble because they disobey the word. They disobey the word. They disobey the gospel. Therefore, they will experience God's judgment. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? This is a husband who has rejected the gospel. He's rejected Jesus Christ. Now, listen. In Peter's day, wives were expected to follow whatever gods the husband worshipped. So if the husband worshipped this particular god, the wife was supposed to worship that god. Plutarch writes, for this reason, it is proper for a wife to recognize only those gods whom her husband worships and to shut the door to superstitious cults and strange superstitions. Christianity was viewed as a cult. And for a wife, hear me, to become a Christian was to be viewed as insubordinate to her husband. And yet Peter knows that's exactly the situation for some of these ladies in these churches who will be hearing this letter read. They once were an unbeliever married to an unbeliever. Now listen, if the husband gives his life to Christ, the wife would just naturally follow. She'll start going to church, start worshiping Jesus. That was the cultural expectation. But for the unbelieving wife to become a believer and to begin to worship Jesus when the husband did not was outright rebellion. It was rebellion. The wife to begin to leave on Sunday mornings to go gather with the church to begin to worship this Jesus, her God, while the husband was an unbeliever, right, was outright rebellion. So what are these Christian wives supposed to do? Peter, can I divorce him? No. Peter, can I leave him? No. Peter, can I start praying, Lord, bring along, bring along a, a husband for me that would love Jesus and get rid of this man? No. 
What is this believing wife supposed to do for her unbelieving husband? What does Peter say? Subject yourself to him. Submit to him. Now that does not mean that if he instructs her to sin, she is to do it. It doesn't mean if this unbelieving husband says, you got to stop worshiping Jesus, she says, okay. No, Jesus is now Lord and Savior. She must be willing to follow him even if it means she dies. But what she is to do in every area that she can, she submits so that it doesn't look like it's insubordination. She just loves Jesus. So that's the what. Wives are to submit even to unbelieving husbands. Now the second question, why? Why would Peter give this instruction? Obviously it's happening, so why would he give this instruction to these, to these Christian women? He says that they, they, the husband, may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Peter has in mind a redemptive purpose. That your unbelieving husband might be one to the Lord. That he might be saved. That's why he gives this instruction. See, they're probably thinking, how do I win my unbelieving husband to the Lord? How can he be saved and know all that I have learned? All that Peter has laid out already in the first two chapters. How can this be his? So what does Peter say? That they may be one without a word. Now, clarification here. Without a word does not mean she is never to share the gospel with him. Without a word does not mean she is never to tell her husband about Jesus Christ. That's not what he's saying. There's a famous saying that says, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. I used to love that. I, used to, I got the meaning of that, right? Hey, look, sometimes your actions speak louder than words. I don't like that statement any longer. Because it is, hear me, always necessary to tell people about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to tell them. Yes, you live it out. But if they come to you and say, hey, what do you have that I don't have? You can't say, I don't know. Doesn't my life tell you? No, you have to tell them this is Jesus and this is what he's done for you. It's always necessary to open your mouth and share the gospel. So then what is he saying? So that they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Because what happens if when you share the gospel, your husband is not responsive to the gospel? What happens when you share the gospel if your husband tells you, shut your mouth and don't ever tell me about Jesus again? What do you do then, believing wife to an unbelieving husband? And then what he says is you seek to win them without a word by the conduct of your life. Some of you know what this is like. You're a believer married to an unbeliever. If you're not, you don't know what this is like. Now listen, Peter is not advocating here it's okay for you as a believer, you're thinking about getting married, to go out and marry an unbeliever. That's not what he's advocating. What's happened here is they were both unbelievers and one of them got saved and now they're unequally yoked. That's what he's talking about. So some of us, you can't imagine. You've never been there, but just imagine you have an unbelieving husband whose wife all of a sudden has gotten saved. A wife who all of a sudden loves Jesus. And the husband says, listen, nothing was supposed to come between us, and now this Jesus has come between us. 
You're off worshiping him on Sundays. You're making new friends. You're reading your Bible. You're falling in love with this Jesus. What am I supposed to do? How do you win him? Let me tell you how you don't win him. You don't sit down every night at the dinner table and say, honey, let me pray tonight. Lord Jesus, my husband's a sinner and he's going to hell. Save him. You pray that prayer more than once, he's going to stop eating with you. It's not how you win your husband. You don't win your husband by taking post-it notes and posting them all over the house so every time he turns the corner, he's reminded he's going to hell. It's not how you win him. You don't win your husband by every night once he goes to bed, sneaking out to the truck, taking the radio station, turning it off of his 80s rock station, and putting on K-Love or Joy FM. Like, I'm going to get him every morning. I'm going to get him every morning with Jesus. That's not how you win him. Listen, I can't imagine. I can't. My heart breaks for you if you find yourself in that situation. But you cannot beat Jesus into him. You can't force him into the kingdom. So what does Peter say? You tell him the gospel. And if he's not receptive to that, then you just begin to live it out. Day after day after day. Now hear me. This isn't a promise that every unbelieving husband or every unbelieving wife is going to get saved. This isn't a promise. It's not a guarantee. But he's saying that they may be one in your conduct. So then the third question is this. How? How are wives to conduct themselves. Now listen, he speaks to wives, but I think this can be applicable to all of us because some of the things he says about wives are true of us, even as men, that we are to live these certain ways. So how are wives to conduct themselves? Listen to what he says. That they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they, unbelieving husband, see you, believing wife, your respectful and pure conduct. Respectful. A godly wife lives in fear of God. This word respectful, the Greek word means fear. And anytime Peter uses it, he's talking about a fear of God. That ultimately you're not afraid of your husband or anything else. You live in fear and reverence in all of God. And he sees this, that you have pure conduct. A godly wife lives in obedience to God. And a godly wife lives in purity before the Lord. Purity in her heart. Walking with the Lord. And then he says this. And here we begin to see the distinction between outer and inward beauty. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair or the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. How do I win my husband? And Peter says, listen, ladies, you don't win your husband with the things of the world. It's not how you win your husband. You don't consume yourself with worldly things. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. All right, pastor. So Peter is prohibiting braiding of hair, putting on of gold jewelry. You're telling me I can't ever go get my hair done up, that I can't ever put on jewelry. No, this isn't a prohibition. How do we know that? Just look at the context. If this is a prohibition, you can't braid your hair, you can't put on jewelry, then you also can't put on clothes. And praise the Lord, y'all put on clothes this morning. Because this would be a whole different environment if that wasn't the case, right? He says, or the putting on of clothes. So he's not saying this is a complete prohibition. But there was an extravagance in the way that some of these women would dress, the wigs and the hair and the clothing. And he's saying, listen, that's not where you're to focus your attention all the time. Now, 
Is it wrong to want to be healthier? No. Is it wrong to want to lose weight? Is it wrong to wear makeup? Is it wrong that you should want to be attractive to your spouse? That you care about those things? No, I don't think so. But hear me, it cannot solely be about the physical. If your marriage is only about the physical, then listen, your marriage already has major problems. And eventually, they'll come to the surface. I heard a pastor say this week, like a spot on, focusing on external beauty might lead your husband to the bedroom, but it will not lead him to the Lord. And our focus ought to be leading each other to the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 3, if you want to turn there, the Lord has some strong, harsh words for Israel and some of these women in the way that they were dressing and taking care of themselves. And so he, he lays it out pretty clearly. If you begin in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 16, the Lord said, I'm going to go ahead and start reading. You can get there. The Lord said, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks, glancing wantonly with their eyes, mincing along as they go, tink tinkling with their feet. Therefore, the Lord will strike with the scab the heads of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will lay bare their secret parts. In that day, the Lord will take away the finery of the anklets and the headbands and the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets and the scarves, the headdresses, the armlets, the sashes, the perfume boxes and the amulets, the signet rings and the nose rings, the festal robes, the mantles, the cloaks and the handbags, the mirrors, the linen garments, the turbans and the veils. Instead of perfume, there will be rottenness. And instead of a belt, a rope. And instead of well-set hair, baldness. And instead of a rich robe, a skirt of sackcloth and branding instead of beauty. Right, And so, so Isaiah, the Lord here, is warning against arrogant self-display, extravagant physical dress. So let me say again, just to be clear, I don't believe Peter is prohibiting you from fixing your hair or wearing makeup or putting on jewelry or wearing nice clothes. But there is a warning here. And the warning is the physical, though not unimportant, isn't ultimate. So let me speak first to you ladies and then to you men. Ladies... Don't just focus on the physical. Don't just focus on the physical. Examine your hearts. This could be for young ladies. This could be for you that, that are married. Are you dressing in such a way that you're dressing to impress people? Are you dressing in such a way that you're trying to draw the attention of people? Maybe even a man who's not your husband. Listen, Probably not a shock to you that I'm not a huge fan of social media. Because it's really hard to be on social media and not draw attention to yourself. Are you putting out certain pictures and certain poses in a way because you want people to see you? You want people to notice you? Because let me tell you, all they see on social media is the outer. You can say what you want. You can put your little words on there. You can point people to Jesus. Use social media for that. Yes and amen. But they don't see the heart. All they see is the outward, which is what you want them to see. I love what Mary Wilson writes. There's so much truth here. When we're most aware of our inadequacies, when we're most aware of our weaknesses, our, our deficiencies, when we're most aware of our inadequacies, we're most tempted to find significance in our hair, our jewelry, our clothes, our bank accounts, our academic degrees, the success of our children, the success of our ministry. We adorn ourselves with these things so that our lives will feel full. But we do it because we feel so empty. 
Now listen, I don't know your heart, so I'm not going to judge your heart. But I can tell you there's a lot of people on social media, they just want the likes. They just want the hearts. They want the follows. And when they don't get them, they feel empty. And can I let you in on a little secret? They still feel empty even when they get them. Because the only thing that can really fill you is Christ. And there is so much attention to the outward. So ladies, don't just focus on the physical. We're going to get to the inward in a second. Men, same admonition. Don't just focus on the physical. Men were wired different than ladies. Now, not always, right? It's not a universal truth, but more often than not, we're, we're drawn to the physical. And so you are probably more physically drawn maybe to your wife than she is to you. It's just we're just drawn that way. So hear me. It cannot be about the physical for you. Young folks, listen. Married folks, you've already realized this. Your wife, when she is 70, will not look like she did when she was 20. I don't, I don't know who amen, but I hope that was a female. I couldn't tell. Um, listen, and that's okay. Because can I let you in on a little secret? When you look at your wife when she's 70, she ought to be far more beautiful to you than she was when she was 20. Far more beautiful. Because at 20, all you saw was the outward. And maybe you were drawn to that, but you've been spent 50 years with her that you've gotten to see who she really is. The inward beauty that she possesses. And that makes her all the more physically beautiful. Peter is saying it can't be about the physical. It's got to be about the inner person, and that's what he says. But let your adorning, not the physical, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Let your adorning be the person, the hidden person of the heart. Now, hidden doesn't mean people can't see it. It just means it's inward, and then it's manifested every day in how you live your life. With the imperishable beauty. I love this word. Peter's already used this word twice. He speaks of it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, when he talks about the inheritance that the Lord has laid up for you. What does he say about that inheritance? It's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. It's not going to fade. It's not going to rot away. It's imperishable. And then in chapter 1, verse 23, he talks about the imperishable, abiding, living word of God. Listen, that's good company because your inheritance will not fade. God's word will not fade. And if you focus on inward beauty, Peter says that too is imperishable. The imperishable beauty, and then he says this, of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now, in the book of Proverbs, we see the exact opposite of this. We see a contentious and quarrelsome woman often presented in the book of Proverbs. Let me just give you three examples. Proverbs 19, 13, a foolish son is ruined to his father, and a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. Proverbs 21.9, it is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 21.19, it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. We always talk about the husband being the head. I've heard people joke that the wife is the neck, right? turning the husband whichever way she wants the husband to go. Here's, here's what I believe, and I don't, I don't know if this is biblical or not, but I know it's true my marriage. Listen, I might be the head, but my wife's the heart. Ladies, you often are the ones that set the temperature of your home. 
look, I know husbands were to love like Christ loved the church. That's a huge thing to live up to. But ladies, you have a very, very important role in the home. And what does Peter say? Peter says, for a believing wife, whether your husband's an unbeliever or not, a believer, you are to have this gentle and quiet spirit. Gentle means meek. It's not weakness, but power under control. My life, my power under God's control. I'm under God's control. It leads to meekness and gentleness. It's the opposite of quarrelsome and contentious. It's gentle and a quiet spirit, a calming presence. There is an undisturbed, tranquil trust in God. Now hear me, quiet doesn't mean silent. He's not saying, sorry ladies, you can't ever talk. No. Listen, ladies, you can be quiet, yet articulate and very persuasive. It's just your demeanor is one of almost as if you're looking out at a lake. Such a peaceful day. No movement at all. It's just peaceful. Like That's your heart. It's quiet. It's gentle. It's peaceful. Now the question is, how can a godly wife be gentle and quiet in a world that is anything but gentle and quiet? Like How can you do that? Look what he says. Verses 5 and 6. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves. So what Peter does here is he points us back to the Old Testament. He points us back to holy women, godly women, who have preceded us. Time out. Your role model, the women that you look up to, ladies, since this is written to ladies, are to be godly women. Now look, some of you in this room, you might be a Swifty. You might be a big Taylor Swift fan. Somebody I saw had a Chiefs shirt on earlier. I hope it was a guy. I hope it was not because of Taylor Swift. But uh, the Chiefs, right? Taylor Swift has brought all of this attention to the Kansas City Chiefs, right? They play in the Super Bowl. Listen, if you have young children, young girls, if you don't have children yet but one day aspire to, make sure you constantly remind them that their role models are not to be people in secular culture, but godly men and women. Godly men and women who have preceded them, and you point them to Scripture. Now, Peter points us back to Sarah and Abraham. Was Abraham perfect? No. He made some foolish decisions. Was Sarah perfect? No, she laughed. Right when was delivered, heard that she was going to have a baby. She's like, I'm well beyond child-rearing ages. This is impossible. She laughed. And what I love about Scripture is nobody in here outside of Jesus is perfect. They're all flawed. But yet they love the Lord. And it says here, right, these holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. There's a couple things I want to draw your attention to quickly here. He says how, how they hoped in God. That's where it starts. How can you be gentle and quiet in your spirit? Because you're hoping in God. Your hope is in God. And then he says, you do good. And look at this. You do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, if you have a woman whose hope is in God and who is not fearing anything, you know what you have right there? Let me tell you what you have. You have a bold and courageous woman. That's what you have. 
So to be quiet and gentle doesn't mean you can't be bold and courageous. If your hope is in God and you're not afraid of anything, that's bold and courageous. But it leads to a gentle and quiet spirit. So ladies, I want you to examine your heart this week. Coming from your pastor, obviously who is not female. I don't know anything about really being a female. So this, this is coming from a male pastor. But I'm going to ask you to examine your heart this week. And if you have kids, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to your husband. I want you to say, husband, I need a couple hours this week. You're going to take the kids. I need this. And I want you to open God's word. And I want you to get away from all distractions. And I just want you, regardless of how old you are, as a woman, I want you to go to the Lord and I want you to approach him with humility and yet boldness. And here's what I want you to say. Lord, do I have the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit? Is my hope in you? Am I fearful? Am I anxious? Am I fretting? Am I calming presence in my home? Am I focused more on internal or external beauty? To get with the Lord and to be honest. And if you're not sure, then, and only after you spend time with the Lord, go to your husband in humility and say, will you be honest? Will you be gracious, but will you be honest? Does First Peter, does that describe me? Am I hoping in the Lord? Am I not afraid of anything? Do I have a gentle and peaceful spirit? And then listen, if the Lord convicts you, that you don't, that you're afraid, that you're fretting, that every little thing that happens, you go from zero to a thousand in two seconds, like you're just, you're overwhelmed with everything that happens. You're afraid of lots of things. Listen, here's what I want you to do. It's one thing to realize it, but secondly, you need some help. Now, how do you get help? Through God's word, through the Holy Spirit that indwells you, and third, through the godly men and women that the Lord has placed in your life. So ladies, if this week you come to the conclusion your heart and spirit is not gentle and it's not quiet and you are too focused on the external, once you realize that, here's what I want you to do. This is the hard part. I want you to identify, ladies, another female in this church who you would describe as gentle and quiet, whom you see as somebody who is hoping in God, and I want you to reach out to them and I want you to say, hey, will you disciple me? Will you spend time helping me because I want to have a quiet and gentle spirit? That's what I want you to do. Now, ladies, if somebody this week comes to you and says, hey, the Lord's convicted me. I need somebody to disciple me. Listen, ladies, you are not allowed to say no. If somebody comes to you, you say yes. I don't want, I'm too busy. I got to do that. No, God has brought somebody to you who wants to be discipled. You are to be disciples who make disciples. Now, you can say, hey, I feel inadequate. I don't know why you chose me, but let's walk through this together because both of us want to have a gentle and quiet heart. Now, why does it matter? Here's why it matters. Because he says, which in God's sight is very precious. The hidden person, the hidden person to man, not to God. God sees it all. God knows your heart, and he knows the motives of your heart. So here's the question for all of us in the room right now. How are things between you and the Lord? 
How are things right now between you and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Is your hope in him? Are you dedicated to doing good, not fearing anything that is frightening? Living life in fear of God and in obedience to his word? Are you focused upon living for him from the heart and from the heart everything else will just flow? How's your relationship? How are things between you and the Lord? Let me end with an illustration. Augustine, Augustine, however you want to say his name, say it however you would like it. I don't know what the proper way to say it is. But Augustine describes the faithful witness of his Christian mother, Monica, to his pagan father. Listen to what he writes. It's as if he's, he's offering up a prayer to the Lord about how his mother cared for his father who had deceased. Believing mother, unbelieving father. He writes, she served her husband as her master and did all she could to win him for you. Speaking to him of you by her conduct, by which you made her beautiful. Finally, when her husband was at the end of, this, of his earthly span, she gained him for you. Now, that's not always the case. But in the case of Augustine's mother, through her life, his father was able to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, here's what you need to understand. This is hard for us. You can do a lot, but you can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. You can share the gospel. You can live out the life consistent with the gospel, but that doesn't mean anybody's going to be saved. But here's what I know. The deep and growing beauty of a woman who trusts in the Lord will have an effect on her husband, on her children, and on her society. Ladies, focus upon the inward beauty of somebody following Jesus Christ for his glory and his honor, the beauty of of a Christ-following heart, male or female, follow Christ, and that is beautiful in his sight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I offer up these words to you, and I pray that you used them to draw people to yourself. Lord, there are ladies in this room, there are husbands in this room who maybe are married to an unbeliever or maybe married to a spouse who's walked away from the Lord or is no longer interested in the things of God. And Lord, in their mind, as they live out their life, no doubt that burdens them greatly. Peter offers some very practical advice here. So Lord, I pray that we would take his words of advice, the words that he has for husbands that we'll look at next week, that we apply them to our heart. God, that we would understand that Peter's pretty clear here, our conduct matters, that we are to live, as he's already stated, in an honorable way among unbelievers, among Gentiles. Father, this week, whether we want to or not, we're going to be an example for you. I pray it's in a good, positive way. But for some, Lord, it may be in a negative way. Because we say one thing with our mouth, and then we live it in an entirely different way. So, Lord, right now, would you just convict us? How's our relationship with you? Are we as interested in the inner beauty of a heart that is following Christ, devoted to his word, memorizing scripture, sharing the gospel with the lost? Or are we more concerned with the outer appearance of a person? 
And Lord, help us as individuals as we get to know people, not to be drawn just to the physical, but to actually get to the heart of the matter. That we would see that this is about redemption, about bringing people to Jesus Christ. So Lord, as we offer up this song of praise to you, be glorified, we pray. And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're just going to respond. If you want to come and kneel and pray, the altar is always open. I'm available. You respond as the Lord leads.
You may be seated for just a couple minutes. Let me go over some announcements. We got three things that are happening either today or this week. We have a wedding shower for Kayla uh, at two o'clock. So we want uh, ladies you to be a part of that from two. It starts at two o'clock. A ministry team. If you are a ministry team leader, you've been to some of these meetings before. We take a look at the calendar, make sure we're all on the same page. That's at four o'clock. Uh, may start a few minutes late, but we'll uh, we'll make sure we do that. We have our homeschool families um, are having a Valentine's tea for our seniors, so seniors, please sign up uh, for that. And then we have two other ministries that we're going to be launching um, here that are in the bulletin. So let me just draw your attention to them. One, um, a ministry called The Bridge, where we're seeking, in addition to what our deacons are already doing, a ministry to really focus on our shut-ins. And so, Ms. Carol uh, Stewart, you see her information there in the bulletin. If you're interested in being part of this, it'll be at least a monthly visit where two or three people will go out and visit with a shut-in. Um, just see her by February 18th so we can get that started. And then the other thing is a group that we're going to start on Sunday night, February 25th. This is called Treasures Out of Trauma. This is a class for only women. It'll meet during Awana. So if ladies, if you're already serving in Awana, this is something that we hope to offer again in the future. But this, if this is something that you need, that you really think that you need, even if you're serving in Awana, just come see me and we'll see if we can't get somebody to take your place to finish out Awana. And so the purpose of this group for ladies only led by Miss Tiffany um, is for those of you who have gone through personal trauma in your life, and that can come in many different ways, if you do not work through that trauma and ultimately work through that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, you really can't be the woman, the wife that God wants you to be until you work through that trauma. And so this is something Tiffany has gone through, a class that she's gone through, and she's leading it. The Lord has laid this upon her heart. Um, this is going to be a closed group. So you've got to come in and join, and we can't really have people joining halfway through because of the personal sensitive nature of it. So if you have ladies have gone through trauma, and you feel that, hey, this will be helpful to me, you can see there's a QR code right here. You scan it. It's confidentiality, just your name, phone number, and an email address so Tiffany can reach out to you, and she'll talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, um, and, and we would invite you to come be a part of that. Uh, multiple things lately God has reminded me of the impact of trauma through fostering, right, of seeing how trauma just impacts daily behaviors. And you've got to be able to work through those things. And so this is an opportunity for you if you feel that you need that um, for you to, to take part of. All right, at this time we're going to finish by reading together the Great Commission. Pastor Gary, you want to come lead us to do that? I will be out in the foyer. If you'll stand, come back tonight. We've got all our normal activities including our Bible study. Let's say this together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Have a good day.